So this is our last meditation of the retreat. Just notice as you sit, notice the mood of the mind. Just noticing the effect of having spoken yesterday, the effect of packing up your things, sense of, of leaving, and ending, and the, the mind gets stirred up, and then probably keep, it's going to want to go to what we're doing, what you're going to do next when you get home. Anticipations. So just recognizing that this is how it is as we get ready to leave, to end, to leave the retreat. But we still have this opportunity to settle. So you can think of this particular meditation now, this last one, as kind of building up the awareness muscle. Because when you go home there will be plenty of things that will distract you and pull you in this direction and that direction. So we need to build up the, the muscle of awareness, of mindfulness, so that we can come back to our practice even in challenging situations. <coughs> Just remembering that this body is always here, all our life is going to be here, it's a reference point. So anytime we're caught up in our mind, planning, thinking, anticipating, worrying, this body is still here. If we put our mindfulness onto this body, it gives us a kind of anchor into the present. Gives us a sense of groundedness from which we can plan and take the next step. And the breath. This body is breathing through the whole of our life, once we're born, until our last breath at the end of our life. So we might notice in our life, if we pay attention to the breath, you can notice how different the breath is in different situations. So mindfulness of breathing isn't asking us to have always even breaths, always calm breaths, always nice deep long breaths or subtle breaths. It's about knowing the breath as it is in this moment. So when we get tense and agitated, we tend to clench the stomach. Our breath becomes shallow. Also when we're excited, then we might have very fast breath, 
if we're fearful, quite often we stop breathing altogether for a little while. So remember to come into contact with the breath, to notice what the breath is doing. And in our daily life, you know, for example, if, we, if something happens and we feel, <gasps> we take a sharp in-breath, and then we maybe stop breathing for a few moments. If we notice, we can recognize, oh, I've stopped breathing. And then we can take in a long, deep breath. It can help to relax and ease the body and mind. So this only really works if we're paying attention. And after a few you know, conscious deep breaths, few, sometimes we have to actually you know, remind the body to breathe deeply. It's not that we have to keep doing that, we just do it for one or two or three breaths. And then we find the body's a little bit more open, the mind's a little bit more relaxed. And it's doing itself again. So this body and breath is always with us. And there's a very well-known story of uh, some busy Thai man going to visit Ajahn Chah in Thailand in the monastery in Wat Pha Pong and saying, well, you know, it's all very well for you, Long Po Cha. You know, you, you're a monk, you have all this time for meditation. I'm so busy, I have so much work to do, I have my family, and you know, I, I just don't have time, I just don't have time to meditate. And Ajahn Chah asks him, do you have time to breathe? And of course he has to say, yes, I, I have time for breathing. <laughs> I do have time to breathe. And Ajahn Chah says, well, if you have time to breathe, you have time to meditate. So in this he's pointing to bringing attention to what is happening now. Now in any given moment. And we have the times of retreat and the times of formal meditation practice in our life to develop that strength, that muscle of mindfulness so that we can use it in our ordinary life, in our challenging, ordinary life. They work together. And I really recommend several times a day, just asking yourself, what is the mood of the mind right now? You can even call yourself by name, ask yourself, what is the mood of the mind right now? So that you've got a sense of what's going on and where you're relating from, where you're, the, the mind state that you're meeting the world from. <coughs> It's about knowing things as they are.
And sometimes when we actually stop and have a look and we see that we're caught up in a, a thousand complexities or, or are totally obsessed with the chocolate bar we need to eat or whatever it might be, you know, we, we can laugh at ourselves. We don't have to take it all too seriously. The way we can blow something small into something huge. It's quite comical really. So we can have a kind of kindly relationship with ourselves, a, 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 a playful, teasing way of relating, not taking it all too seriously. You know, I was speaking a few days ago about the, the dream within a dream. So if any of you have practiced lucid dreaming, you'll know that you can become aware during a sleep dream. So some, that's something I used to practice when I was a child, having lots of nightmares. Then I would have a... I learnt how to become aware during the dream and then know this is a dream. And then you have some, some power. <laughs> You're not just a, a victim to whatever's going on. And you can wake yourself up if you need to. Or you can influence the dream. So it could be similar in our... in this large dream state of human existence of this birth, this life. You know, we can be really lost in the dream of it, the, the believe in the reality of it all, of every feeling, every mind state, every sense of self. Or we can get that perspective like lucid dreaming, of recognizing, well this is just, you know, this is just a way of seeing. This is just from you know, just this is just looking from one particular perspective, one little perspective, and then we can hold it more lightly. We can become playful with it. We can use our life for the benefit of others. We don't have to spend the whole time protecting ourselves taking care of ourselves. Because we see that ourselves is just a little facet, a little perspective on the great unity, on the great interconnectedness of everything. Ajahn Santachita was speaking about the, the ever-expanding universe. Know, how the universe since the Big Bang has been expanding. When already the universe is so vast that we can't really perceive it, can't get a, a set, you know, we can't imagine the vastness of it and it's, and it's expanding. So we're just a little tiny arising in that. little tiny arising in a, in a tiny fragment of time within that great process. So when we get that perspective, you know, we, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. 
and we can, you know, we can do good with this life opportunity. Our lives are short, so we should, you know, we can make the very best of them. Leave behind something that's that's really beneficial. We can start now. And the more we understand the emptiness of all things, the easier it is to do that. So there's the, the, the two aspects of the the ultimate and the conventional, which the Buddha held together. He didn't he didn't um, use one to negate the other. So the more we understand the emptiness of self, <coughs> the easier it is to manifest good in the world. And you might think, well, if you know emptiness, then nothing really matters, so why bother? But that isn't what the Buddha was teaching. He was teaching the ultimate and the conventional. Emptiness and sentience. Just as the scientists you know, looking at the atoms and they're saying, depending on, it's well known, it's been known for decades, you know, depending on how you look, the waves and particles, you know, depending on how you look, you will see either a wave or a particle. And they have very different natures, but they are not two different things. It is, a, it is about a way of looking. So this is the same with the ultimate and the sentient. <coughs> they appear to be uh, contradictory, but they are, they belong together. So through our sentience we can develop and really know, deeply know compassion, kindness, we can, we can gain great joy through seeing the good fortune of others. And then there's the, the broad perspective almost like zooming out, looking at it from a broad perspective and just seeing, as we were speaking about equanimity and the, the law of karma, how each of us are living and acting the fruits of our karma. Some good, some not good, it's a mixed bag. But we don't have to just sit back and, and you know, passively receive the karma of our past actions, but we can keep generating wholesome karma. So the Buddha is said to be the saying of all the Buddhas, 
all the Buddhas of, of all past eons, that there are 28 mentioned in the suttas, that they all left the same advice to us, very simple advice, to refrain from doing harm, to do good and to purify the mind. Very simple. Refrain from doing harm, actively do good and purify the mind. So when those impulses come to do something harmful or mean or reactive, just remember the advice of all the Buddhas of all times. Stay with that feeling. It's really good to remember if you feel hatred that hatred belongs to you, it's yours. Don't go handing it out to everybody else. It belongs to you. If you feel anger, that's yours. Learn how to use it. It's, it's energy. It can be used for the good if you have mindfulness and awareness. If you don't, then it just creates more unwholesome karma. And there are many, many, many opportunities to do good in the world. So it can be, you know, I'd suggest that we find ways of doing good towards our ourself, taking care of this body and mind, and as part of that really to keep a practice going. Give yourself a little time each day, or a long time if you have it and you have the discipline, but if not, just a little time each day where you sit not doing anything, not reading anything, not watching anything, not planning anything. You just sit and allow the mind to settle and to know clearly things as they are. So even if the mind won't settle, just to have the breadth of mind, the breadth of mindfulness and awareness to be with what is whatever is arising. Early in the morning is a very good time to do this first thing in the morning because we have a, it's very quick that the sense of self comes into being. We wake up and you might find a little bit of, you might notice there's a little time when there isn't, you know, the story hasn't got going yet. The me and mine story. And then if you just get up and sit, you might notice it can either it can either be that that just rests, you know, there's just a sense of being, 
or you might feel that the drive of that me and mine energy, that becoming energy all the things I have to do today all the things I have to accomplish in my life just stay with that feeling just for that time get to know it so this is again, this is life energy, it's, it's useful energy but it's, it can also use us if we allow it to drive us here and there, we get driven by this becoming energy if we can sit with it, get to know it put some reins on it then we can use it in a good way and purifying the mind so this is not about becoming a perfect person a perfect personality who always says the right thing and does the right thing is always lovely and impeccable and never ever upsets anybody this is about being present with the mind states that arise it's about developing mindful awareness with what is present and allowing it to kind of burn up so you might find that in the meditation that when you're you know, it's, it's the state of neither pushing away nor grasping allowing the state that has arisen in the mind to just be there and kind of wear itself out is particularly important to do with the with the kilesas, with the unwholesome mind states I really love the image of the Kuan Yin riding the dragon that they have in the Chinese tradition you see this beautiful serene loving Kuan Yin riding a dragon with the, she, she, she often has reins on the on the dragon and that's like you know, using our life force our passions and anger and desire and you know, all of those forces of our, of our life energy using them it's not, not killing the dragon like St. George does it's riding the dragon So we have to be careful that the dragon doesn't eat us up. Get those reins on it. this precious human life and even if you, you don't feel that way you know, you feel, oh well it's just me and I'm just an ordinary, you know, mediocre kind of a person and 
I can't really do anything great. Actually, the Buddha, you know, he said this human life is, is most precious of all the births that we could take, even the most subtle, beautiful, heavenly births that are possible. This human birth is the most precious because we experience suffering, we experience loss, and we experience love and beauty and the, we can, through our meditation practice, experience the, the very subtle and refined states. And it's through recognizing both of these, both the, the expansive and the beautiful and the physical. Like I was speaking about going through the whole process of, of eating, taking it right the way through. It's, it's through looking at the whole picture of this human realm that we can understand and let go. This is uh, we can, it can lead us to liberation. If we have too much suffering, it's, it's very difficult. So we're spending our whole time wondering where we're going to get the next meal, how we're going to keep warm. It's just a basic survival. So many people are living like that in the world. If you have too much pleasure, then there's no incentive for practice. So there are a few people living like that in the world. Some people. But for those of us, certainly everybody here, who is fortunate enough to have some sukha, some dukkha, some asukha adukha. And we have this opportunity to see it, see the whole process as it is. Learn from the challenges, the difficulties, the pains. Open to the expensive, the blessed, the generous, the loving. We have the capacity for all of it. And all of it becomes our teacher. So remembering this precious body that we have, I also have to remind myself and the, the, the simple things of taking care of this body can be a reminder, cleaning our teeth in the morning. Let it be an act of mindfulness, it can be a meditation. Washing your hair or shaving can be an act of mindfulness. exercising, walking, standing, you know, moving the body. These are all opportunities to, to be present. So try and remember, you know, when you're walking down the street, when you're waiting in a queue, be with the body, 
through here. When you get up in the morning, be aware of the mind state that's present. When you get to work, be aware of the mind state that's present. When you come home again, be aware of the mind state that's present. Last day at night, be aware of the mind state that's present. You know, if you make particular times during the day, points during the day, to remember, to notice. Also we get to see how it's ever-changing. get to see how believable it becomes and how it changes. And then developing you know, awareness of the mind's objects, knowing when the hindrances are present, knowing which hindrances are present, and cultivating the wholesome qualities contemplation of the Four Noble Truths, or cultivating the Enlightenment factors, so it's all here, it's all completely available to us at every moment, we just have to remember, we just have to remember and apply the mind. So find ways of reminding yourself. I very much recommend having a little place in your home, even if you just have one room, a little place that reminds you to meditate, to sit quietly, even if you just have 10 or 20 minutes to do that. And there's, and there's always room. You can always find some, some way of doing that. Even in a small space, you can do that. So make a little corner. Or if you have a big house, you can make a, a room that is your place of quietude. And then make the time to sit there, even just for 20 minutes in a day. And respect yourself, honour yourself enough to do that. And maybe sometimes people put a little Buddha in their car to remind themselves to be mindful. Or sometimes people wear around their necks a little symbol to remind themselves. So it's not like these things have protective qualities or you know some kind of magic, but they are reminders. So just find ways to remind yourself. And if you're not, you know, if you're not inclined towards the religious aspects, you can. Your toothbrush can be a reminder. 
the keys to your car can be a reminder. <coughs> the, the doormat in front of your house, if you've got one, can be a reminder. It doesn't have to be a religious object, it's just something that reminds you. And also with each other, with, with people. You know, there's always the people we like, the people we don't know, the people who irritate us, the people who've hurt us. And this is how it is to be human. But every human being, every sentient being, every human being has the potential to awaken. Even if it's uh, even if it's not possible in this lifetime, there are a few things that we can do. Very very extreme things that will obstruct us from getting enlightened in this lifetime, like killing our mother or father, shedding the blood of a Buddha. You know, these are these are things. If we've done that, then maybe we have to keep working at it and. Next lifetime there may be an opportunity. But if we haven't done any of these very heavy karmic acts, we all have the potential to awaken. So when you see people, you can just try and see, rather than seeing, oh, that person next door, mo, 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 that person at work, uh, you know, see, oh, this is a being with the potential to awaken. Try to see their Buddha nature rather than their irritating qualities or desirable qualities. This is another. This is a practice that we can cultivate and develop. So the the opportunity is always here. And also the mind forgets. So don't get too hard on yourself if you forget. Once you remember, once you realize that you've forgotten and got lost and caught up again, just take that moment as a moment of awakening, a moment of mindfulness. Encourage yourself in that moment to start again. Each moment you remember let that be a moment of encouragement, not a moment of criticism, judgment. So we'll take this body, this body and mind back out into the world. It's a new year, 2011. So we can Start afresh. Start with the new possibilities. And recognizing that the, you know, the karma of our past actions, it doesn't just stop because we want it to. We have to work at it. But we can develop what is good. Many, many opportunities.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.